Welcome to Spotlight by Play Craig. The kick in, here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! A podcast that shines some light on amazing people in the baseball world. Deja vu all over again, as uh, Yogi Berra would say. Introducing your host and the founder of Play Crate, Josh Ben. Hey everybody, welcome to Spotlight, a podcast where we shed some light on people in the baseball and softball community. This could be anyone from players, coaches, entrepreneurs, and anyone who has an interesting story we can learn from. We have two guests today, Mike and Connor McGinnis, they're brothers. Mike and Connor are the founders of Clean Fuego. Clean Fuego is an elite baseball training device that provides athletes with immediate visual feedback about their throws. With Clean Fuego, athletes can learn and polish pitches, improve grips, glove transitions, long toss, release, and a bunch more. Uh, Connor is the Dodgers big league assistant pitching coach and World Series champ. Uh, Mike is currently the CEO of Clean Fuego, and I'm sure he's got his hands in a bunch of other business ventures as well. Um, guys, both of you, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having us. Josh, thanks for having us, man. We're excited to be here. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, I'm super pumped. And uh, before I even uh, get into the first question, um, I just, I got to give you guys another shout out with like, I just got a care package in <laughs> it was, it was 10 minutes ago now. And, uh, and I got a bunch of clean fuegos. So it's like, I think it gives me like a little bit different context, actually holding these in my hands. Well, uh, yeah. while we're doing this podcast and a bunch of cool swag. So we have some behind the scenes on that, which people can see, cause I think your apparel is, is really fun. Um, but I thought we'd start with, um, you know, clean fuegos blowing up. Like I, you guys, when Melissa told me, um, which is one of our marketing um, directors, you know, how long you've been around. I was like, wow, it feels like you guys have been around for, for much longer because of how much we've been you know, on social media and everywhere. Um, but could you guys just elaborate, you know, I gave a quick description, but could, could I hear in your own words what Clean Fuego is? I've actually never heard Connor say this. I, I have mine. You kind of <laughs> read my copy there, Josh. So you, you banged it out, but not from, 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 the, uh, from the champ, I want to hear it. Oh my goodness. Listen to this guy. No, clean, clean Fuego is something that Mike and I had come up with back in, it was right around 2016, 2017. So I just joined yeah. uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers and we were in spring training and part of the rotations as they were going through, you guys are doing PFPs, pickoffs, whatever it may be. One of the rotations was spin field. Um, and, you know, with the Dodger organization, we've got a rich history of really good curveballs. Um, and so we kind of have this whole background to where we really want guys practicing just how to add front spin on a baseball. So we were using hockey pucks. And so it was just to create like a visualization of how to feel the front of the ball. Um, and often more likely than not, you're going to be able to throw a curveball. You're probably going to be able to throw a slider as well. So we have guys kind of feeling the spin of the hockey pucks and whatnot. So I called my brother. He's like, Hey man, how's spring training going? Like, What's it like? What are you guys doing? I'm like, yeah, we're flipping some hockey pucks. Like, trying... you guys are this billion dollar industry, you know, organization <laughs> using hockey pucks. Like, what is this? Is there nothing else out there? And, you know, we did some research and we we're looking up and trying to find some things. And there's some things here and there, but it was nothing really that, um, you know, that was useful in my opinion. And so it was unbelievable. We started 42 prototypes down the line. Um, the idea was to get basically like the middle third of the ball. We, to decide the width of the ball, it was the two seam orientation on a regular baseball is essentially the width of clean fuego. 
Um, and so we basically just wanted to make a sexier, more functional hockey puck uh, for spin feel. But at the same time, I was talking with my brother and I said, look, man, there's this new wave of technology coming through. This was kind of my niche of how I even got in uh, to the organization with the Dodgers in the first place with just spin data in general, you know, started in golf with TrackMan and kind of came over into the baseball world. And there was this thing that we kept seeing of, yeah, okay, spin rate was really cool. And that's where everyone was talking about it. Like, all right, high spin rate at the top of the zone, low spin rate at the bottom of the zone. Um, but there's more to it. And we found out there's this term spin efficiency, right? And it was like, okay, what on earth is spin efficiency? Like, okay, I see it on the machine. I see that, okay, numbers are getting better, but how do we train it? How do we implement it? We know it's good, but just how do we develop it? And so what we recognize is like, all right, Josh, let's say you and I were playing catch with a football, right? Yeah. I throw this football at you. I know right away if I threw a good spiral or a duck, right? Now, if I throw that football at you on that good spiral, that would be 0% spin efficiency, right? Mm -hmm. None of the spin that I'm putting on that ball is actually contributing to deviating that ball off of its path, right? Now, if I take that football, flip it sideways, Stewie from Family Guy, and I backspin the thing, right? Now I'm having all of that spin contributing to fighting the gravity longer. So as we're going, we're like, oh, we're flipping hockey pucks. We got this. Maybe this is a way to train spin efficiency. It provides the thrower immediate visual feedback, good throw or not. In the coaching world, the less I can talk, <laughs> the, better the, the, the better the athlete's going to be in the end of the game. And so just handing these guys, we started out slow. We had overlay, uh, regular weight, um, and we started kind of slow dripping it into the program with my guys on the minor league side. And they loved it. Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, Dean Kramer, Andre Scrub, Devin Smeltzer. Um, I mean, the list is, is growing rapidly. And the OG Fuego fam, yeah. Yeah, and the numbers were there to prove it. Um, and guys were having success with it. And then we're playing other teams and – they want to know like, Hey, what, do, what is this? What are you guys throwing over there? Like, what is this? And it's like, Hey, you know, Hey, this is our thing, you know, leave it alone. But <laughs> that's kind of how it all started. And then um, fortunately enough, just this past year, uh, we got the Dodgers blessing. They said, guys, no, this is your business, do your thing. And they've been fully supportive throughout the whole process. It's been really cool. So we just launched, you know, what, Mike, a week before COVID hit. Um, yeah, I always say in the infinite wisdom of myself, yeah, nothing like launching a business two weeks before a global <laughs> pandemic, you know, I mean, hey, but if there's one thing I'm good at, it's time and stuff, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that was kind of the original idea of, of what Clean Fuego was. And the name is essentially, you're looking for, um, for me in the baseball world, there are always these names. It's like, us, oh, you know, velo training or this, that. We want something that was kind of, kind of stick out, you know, and so looking for clean spin, clean fire. Um, have a lot of international players in our organization as well. So uh, combining the two, kind of going with Clean Fuego, it was just kind of rolled off the tongue. And uh, it's a pretty memorable name, honestly, too. It's, it's also I mean, what you guys – yeah, no, go ahead. No, sorry. No, I said it's, it's, it's in, an incredibly memorable name. And then it's like it sticks in your mind, too, because of the fire. It's just like, yeah. like it's, it's, it's just so much fun. And you see – you know, something I think I missed in the intro, too, is like – you guys talk about, you know, you start with the Dodgers. You're represented in every single major league organization right now, yeah. which is wild, especially to think that you guys started two or three weeks before COVID. Like this, yeah. you just came up on a year. Congrats on that. But to be in every big league clubhouse, 
um, within a year is just like a testament to like that this this works that as a as a tool and a training it works um so i think it's so cool but yeah but the the name definitely sticks with you especially with all the fire in the background i think it's just fun that's no connor's it's also it's what you uh what you find yourself yelling at one another too when you're throwing Mm -hmm. it you know, it's like, if it's wobbling, it's like you're teasing because it's wobbling. And, oh, that's clean, man. Oh, you're throwing that clean. That's mm-hmm. clean. Oh, that's Fuego. You're throwing clean play. And then it was just, you know, it just kind of, you know, dovetailed into that. But I'm glad that it sticks. I'm glad that it sticks. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And I think, you know, something just dawned on me because me as like, you know, I played baseball for, you know, I played a little bit of indie ball in, in, in college, but I was a second baseman. Like, it didn't matter what my spin rate was. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah hit the person in the chest, turn double play, don't get a cleat in your shin. That was pretty much my career. Um, so I, like, I, I never really, like, really thought about my throwing mechanics as, as just a middle infielder in general. Um, but, you know, I think you, you talked about the spin as fighting gravity. And, I mean, that's definitely something you see with, um, as, like, a ball, like, it maybe has the illusion of rising or actually rises, but it kind of makes me think of, um, you know, there's, like, this, this physics principle where if you spin a ball off of a really high building, it kind of takes off, um, and I don't know the name of the, the principle at all, but you can see some of those, some will spin like a, a football, like you said, you know, off the Hoover Dam, and it'll, it'll right. go down, and then it'll start to go out, and that's kind of what it reminded me of. Um, when you said that, and I was actually on your site earlier and you have these little graphics and it talked about the ball wobble. And I was like, that, that is such immediate feedback, not only for big league guys, but for, for little guys too. I mean, what, what has been the experience with, you know, with, with youth throwing this? Cause you know, you've already proved out that it's, it's a big league tool, but how did that transfer um, over into youth sports? Yeah, Con, I'll take that. And it's Mag- Magnus Force. Magnus Force is what you're referring to on that spin. Cool. Um, but on the other, on the youth, on the on the you know pro side, we've been blessed, you know, to be able to disseminate in and be adopted by guys who are very particular about their warm up, their training, what they use on a day to day or a weekly basis has been phenomenal. Um, and your point, Josh, how's that been on the youth side? It's been helping us validate the purpose behind Clean Fuego, which is essentially just clean up how you throw, throw better. And to your point with athletes, and Connor, you even mentioned this, athletes know their body. They know their natural mechanics. They know what they're doing. And a lot of the times, and I used to get this when I was you know, playing youth baseball, coach would yell at you, get, get behind the ball. You're mm-hmm. not getting around it. You're not getting on top of it. You're cutting it. It's like, coach, I hear you. What are, what are you talking about? You know, like, what does that mean? How do you want me to translate that? When you say I'm getting around or they're not getting around it, what exactly is that? Whereas with Clean Fuego, no wobble, no cut, no Wi-Fi. You don't have to charge it. You don't have to interpret data. You don't have to understand what spin efficiency is or spin direction or axis or anything like that. What you want to do is within 30 feet into a net or a partner, get Clean Fuego to fly straight or clean, regardless of your arm slot. And it's as simple as that. And so for us, you know, how the youth has been adopting it is in the sense of it helps a coach or a dad or a parent teach the fundamentals and the mechanics of just what you're trying to accomplish when you throw, getting outside, getting behind it, understanding where your thumb placement's supposed to be. Because again, a lot of that stuff skipped over on the very early start. You know, you just kind of, you get those pie chuckers, you get those kids that push instead of throw, you get those kids that come close to ear instead of going a little bit further out, things like this, that again, you can talk to all day. But as we all know, we can talk about swinging a baseball bat until you actually go out and swing the baseball bat 
it's all going to click at that moment. It's kind of the same thing with throwing. You can hear all these tips and tricks, but until you actually go out and start doing it, that's when it's all going to start to marry together. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you, you bring up like a really interesting point about coaching. Cause I've always been under the impression that not the, you know, the best um, coach, the, the best advice isn't, um, isn't the one that's easiest translatable. So pretty much like the, the information that gets shared the most is, is just the easiest to, to, to tell people, not the actual best advice. And we saw it with like squishing the bug for like 50 years. <laughs> people are like, that's not, that's not actually how the body, works. it's just very easy to convey that to a, a child. And so everyone, right. everyone grows up thinking that even though, um, that's not the right way to do it. So I think this just gives people context. Like you said, it's, uh, you know, we have this like crazy vernacular in baseball where you might say, Connor, that being behind in your head, it feels like something, but you as a coach, like that's you coaching. You're trying to impart how you, you can feel um, with your vernacular and have someone else really understand that completely to the point where they can use their body and replicate what you're doing. And I think that's like the really cool part about clean fuego and keep in mind, like, this is the first time I've, I've ever had one and used it, but I mean, just having that contextual element. Um, so you can, um, you can, you can give context to, to your vernacular and this, like these names that are kind of arbitrary that you give to different coaching or, you know, principles or, or pitching mechanics. Um, they, you can show it, like <laughs> you can show them yeah. the spin right away is working or isn't working. But, uh, you know, Connor, you said earlier, um, you know, when you coach, you want to just not talk as much. I think that's like the sign of a good coach, actually. Like if you're over explaining it, you probably didn't explain it right the first time. But can you elaborate on that a little bit? Why do you think it's important that you don't talk that much? Yeah, I mean, my goodness, we've all been there. You know, we've all been, uh, you know, on a field at some point in some regard at whatever level it may be. And the classic like, hey, come on, throw strikes. It's like, well, what do you <laughs> What do you think I'm doing? Like, what do you think <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to do? Like, we all know what I'm out here trying to do. I'm not out here sabotaging the team or the game. Um, and so for me, a lot of it is having the conversations beforehand, developing the relationships, building up that trust. Um, if you don't have that, it, it doesn't matter if you have the best information in the world. If they're not going to listen or apply it, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. So for me, a lot of it coming in, and I've been very fortunate to learn from all sorts of great coaches with our organization, but Mark Pryor and I really make a point to like before a bullpen session, like, Hey, we're going to talk to you about, this is kind of the goal of that session. Go do it, you know, go do your thing. Kind of give us that look if you want us to chime in or if we see something jumping out or if it's a much more specified bullpen to where we really have to dive in on a different grip or a different lane or whatever we're working on. But the less we can talk, the better off we're going to be. It's not like I'm out there in your hip pocket while, you know, Walker's pitching in a game and I'm like, hey, walk, let's throw, let's throw a slider here. This is not how the game works. So um, being there, letting them feel it out, going through it, helping, being supportive, as much positive talk as possible. I mean, you're talking to yourself so much during the game. You got to imagine the amount of pressure that's on these guys when they're out there performing. Like they understand uh, the magnitude of the stage that they're on. And the last thing they need to hear from me is, hey, yeah, that was terrible. That sucked. Like they know <laughs> they're at this level. They know if it was yeah. good. And so just being there, being supportive for them and kind of just being bumper lanes is what we describe. You know, at some point mm -hmm. the ball is going to get to the pins, but we want to make sure that we guide you there um, on an easier path to knock those pins down as we go. So the less we can talk, you can tell Mike and I enjoy talking, but the less we can talk out there <laughs> as coaches, the better off we're going to be.
Awesome. Yeah. And enjoying talking is usually pretty good for a podcast. So I'm, I'm glad you guys enjoy talking too. Um, I'm going to bring it back a little bit because I, I, I still have a lot of questions about um, you as a coach and then, um, you know, just where baseball is going with, with, with data and, and all this, all this data and all this, um, all these analytics um, that, that, you know, we have all these different tech startups. So yeah. Um, I'd like to come back to that, but, um, you know, I'd like to go back to clean fuego for a second as, as just a company and, you know, most people have a great idea. Um, you know, you guys want to make pretty much a better hockey puck and it seems like you far exceeded that expectation, but, um, you know, 95% of the time people have a great idea. Um, uh, they, they experience a little bit of friction and then they're like, you know, it's really not worth it. Do I really want to make the world's best, um, baseball training aid? Is it really worth my time? You know, did you guys experience that in the beginning and, and what got you over that hurdle? Because I'd love to hear some some of those stories as well. You're awesome, Josh, to think that we don't still have those doubts. Right now. <laughs> you know, like I'm just did we become friends over that question. Like, my goodness, yeah. I appreciate that. I think you're giving us a little more credit um, than than do. Yeah, the whole time, man. And Connor, you can chime in. Um, but again, with us, it was more, you know. I did over 10 years of marketing consulting, mm -hmm. um, you know, mainly for large business. Connor, you know, he's a pro baseball coach um, and our engineer, Ronald, close personal friend. He has a day job. Mm -hmm. So for us, this was really a at 10 p.m. at night, I'd go out underneath the deck and I'd rally troop, wait for Connor to finish up a game, wait for Ronald to be done with his work. And that's when we'd work, you know, and so this was really a moonlight project across two years and to, you know, what Connor mentioned, we did do 42 prototypes. Um, most of those were field tested and it went back to, and this is why I think we had as many arguments as we did. Um, maybe they were a little bit more flamboyant than they probably needed to be. Cause it was like, we did, we're on 36. We haven't gotten it yet. Like what's wrong? What are we doing wrong? But again, what we've seen is because we were that meticulous, because we had that degree to pay attention to the devil in the details it's getting adopted and it's working. And for us, we were going in center of mass, accurate weight, stitch height, stitch seam orientation. It's all minutiae that we needed to pay attention to, then layered on top of the fact of, I need to make sure that this is replicable out of mass manufacturing, or we have a mass manufacturing capability to replicate the exact same product 100,000 times over. And so for us, it was all of that with at the same time, Hey man, we already got jobs. Do we really want to create the love child of a baseball and a hockey puck? It's just really yeah. worth it. And I think in all honesty, the minute we did it and dug in and Connor chime in, if I'm wrong, the minute we were throwing those first ones into the, cause you were throwing the, the first ones into the pillow. I remember at the holiday Inn, we we're chucking them into the pillow. Um, and I was throwing them into the net and the trampoline in the backyard. And I remember just kind of looking and being like, this, this is cool. Like this, this might actually, this might be something. And then from there, I think it was just that spark that helped carry us over all the arguments, all of the frustrations, all the difficulties, because frankly, again, you know, Khan's a coach, Ron's an engineer, I'm a marketing guy, and now we're in international shipping and fulfillment and mass manufacturing. So for us, it was a lot of the time, understand you're standing in a cave with a candle, but also know you're doing the right thing, you're heading in the right direction, and the air smells clean, so you're doing something right. Anyway, I'll get off the soapbox. See, Mac. Sorry, man. <laughs> that, did not, that was not a soapbox. That was super insane. <laughs> and I do have one more follow-up question to that. I mean, for both of you. So you said 40, 42 prototypes? 
dude i was like full like i was can we laugh about the first one dude can we laugh about the first one can we tell josh about the first one you can definitely tell yeah yeah yeah, 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 well the first what that it's all black well no those are the those are that see the damn thing the first one of the main first rounds they came out with no seams on the ball Mm-hmm. You remember that run? Yeah. See the look? There it is. It just yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually might have it, guys. I, I'm, in my head, I'm like, I hope you guys took a picture of every prototype. Oh, we've got all of them of, of, around somewhere. But then, like, some of them exploded, you know, if they weren't right. <laughs> yeah, so. Here's an old one. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me pulling up old stuff. I'll pull yeah. up. <laughs> See, look at like I'm all stressed out, Josh. See that? I know. I'm now sweating. I'm not, I wasn't sweating <laughs> before the back. podcast. It's now I'm sweating. Back all the memories. Um, yeah, it is. But it uh, is, dude, is. Four, the 42 is, is a lot of prototypes. I, I know I don't have to keep reminding you of that, but what <laughs> did, what did it feel like on your 42nd try? When, what, when did you say, this is it? 42 tries we don't want to change a thing what did what, what was 42 why was 42 different honestly it was the feedback i got from the guys and the evidence that we were receiving because what was fun is as we're going through i'm in the middle of a season and it's one thing to be capturing data when you're at a private facility and it's on rap soda but that's not a game you know mm-hmm. that's not actionable right. like balls were flying different adrenaline's different throws can be different um i was getting actionable feedback as we're going and then seeing the game and the results of it and it got to the point where guys were like hey i can i buy one like how much is it like i I just how can i buy one i'm like this is the only two i got like we can't break this guys if you want to hold this for the rest of the season that's hitting up mike and it's like hey guys were saying like it's just kind of flying but they can't really see any difference you know we need to kind of change it up because when you throw this thing josh the one that's the regular weight as the baseball is very unforgiving. And we made that specifically one, right? to make yep. sure. So if you're throwing it, we've talked about it a little bit. Like, so if you're playing catch with your partner and it's wobbling, that's a finger pressure issue with what we mm-hmm. found out. So like guys typically, um, you know, maybe their index fingers coming off the ball too soon, finger length, a little different, whatever it may be. They're not really applying equal pressure off those two fingers. And you'll typically just see a wobble as it flies to the partner. Then you have also the other guy who's going to throw this if they're right-handed, right? The ball's going to spin clean. However, the orientation of that spin is going to be on what we'd call like a positive gyro, right? Some slight inefficiency on it. And this thing will actually slide across in air as it's traveling to you. So at first you're going to be like, whoa, what was that? (laughs) But in fact, the idea of it is when you're playing catch with your partner, we wanted it to be unforgiving. So you have that immediate visual feedback. So you're not just going right to your throw because everyone wants to just look at the ball. They're so excited to throw it the first time. So they're like, oh, yeah. And they go to throw it and they want to look at it. And it's the arm side high sail on the Mm -hmm. first throw every single time. So we wanted to get it to a point where it's like, no, no, no. Trust the flight of it hide the sides, hide the red, hide the blue if you're using the overload and just make it as easy as possible for your partner to catch it, right? So if I'm Kirsch and I'm straight over the top, you're gonna wanna see that Fuego fly straight to him right there in air, right? If there's a little cut, the thing will kind of slide across so you know that it's doing it. You don't have to be tracking the ball in air the whole time through. If you're a straight sidearm, then Diddy style, right? You're gonna wanna see that thing fly like a UFO straight to him. And if guys typically have that little positive gyro on them, that'll be flipped up where the nose will be tilted and that will kind of cascade in through the air. So it just gives you that immediate feedback. And one of my favorite ways to use it is alternate, right? So mm-hmm. grab the red 
clean fuego, go to the baseball back and forth because it's going to practice your hand feeling the middle of the ball. A lot mm -hmm. of times with four seam orientations, if uh, all three of us were to grab a four seam fastball, I'm willing to bet a lot of money. All of our grips are very different, different mm -hmm. thumb placements and the fingertips, first crease, second crease, which way is the horseshoe facing. And for us, it was frustrating on our side to like have a session with the tech, you throw a pitch and you're waiting. It's like, okay, what was that? What was it? With this, it's like, all right, I'm going to try fingertips, throw. All right, wobbled. I'm going to go first crease, throw. Oh, that was a little better. Try it again. Oh, that was really good. All right, let's go second crease. All right, not as good. Okay, maybe I found something. Change it up with the thumb position. It just accelerated the learning process of fine-tuning that grip in your throw to really emphasize the middle of the ball as we went through. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there was there was a lot there. And, you know, again, I'm – like I, I, I can hang with talking about it, but as I, I don't know anything about pitching, especially I'm like, as long as I don't throw this ball into the dugout, like I was always fine. I like always had like a spot. Um, but you know, you talk about finger pressure, you know, was that something that was just never, you know, on like the radar of pitchers. And you think this was just like an instant tool feedback, but it may sound like such a, like a, like a topical, easy question for you, but what is uh, the importance of finger pressure? Because I think a lot of people just might not prioritize that. Oh yeah, no, without question. And I think it's amazing if you go back, some things like you mentioned before, the squish the bug, right? Mm -hmm. And then they're all stay closed or whatever it may be. A lot of this terminology in a moment, it's like, hey, I said this to X player and it worked for him, give it a try. But at the end of the day, you got to filter all of this stuff. It's, mm -hmm. You got to figure out what works for you. Right. So growing up, I was always told, hold it like an egg, hold it really loose. And that was correct in the sense we want our body to be loose so we can get into the proper positions, uh, you know, proper planes of the rotation as we're throwing the ball. But what we missed out on is kind of that little squeeze. You go and look at Scherzer's grip. Uh, look at Nolan Ryan. These guys are choke holding this thing and kind of creating somewhat of like a scorpion effect is kind of what I call um, and being able to have that consistent squeeze on the ball is really important and actually really does help command and control just in general. Mm -hmm. We see this a lot with guys that are coming off of surgery and whatnot. You'd be surprised. Just watch them on their takeaway. Just see where the ball is on their takeaway. Is their index finger popping off the ball, middle finger popping off the ball? I've had guys who they just post-op or just in general, they have no idea that the ball is just sliding. They're holding it like an egg and on their takeaway, the ball just kind of maneuvers in hand. And imagine trying to clip a baseball properly if it's a different grip every time you're throwing it, mm -hmm. right? So just emphasizing that sort of feel, the finger pressure of it, especially off speed, um, light finger pressure. You can try all of that with our ball. We don't know. It may work for you. It may not, but that's the biggest thing. Like the squish the bug um, you know, there's a legend way back that that was kind of a Dusty Baker thing that he said off cuff at a camp to a mom who was desperate for advice for her uh, 10 year old kid. And Dusty's, ah, you know, squish the bug. You know, it's a very innocent gesture in time, but it blew up because this is Dusty Baker, right? Like this is a guy dropping some serious knowledge and then people ran with it. But it worked for that one moment for that 10 year old, right? If I tell Blake Trinan, hey, stay closed here. Uh, Everyone's going to say, oh, that's a stupid cue. You should never use that cue. It doesn't work. Well, it might work for Blake, and that might just kind of trigger something for him to go, right? So you kind of pick and choose. Everyone is their own best coach. So just pushing people as much as possible, filter. Filter the stuff out there. 
it probably worked for someone at one point in time is essentially what I'm getting at. Yeah, no, I mean, big, it's, it's, yeah. That's the Go big ahead. mantra, just to cut you off, sorry, Josh. That's a big mantra with Fuego though, is every athlete's different. Every throw is unique. You gotta find what works for you, you know? And if it's swimming up a river instead of in a pool works for you, do it. And for us, we even say, and we throw some guys off there, we'll get notes that they're like, hey, Mike, we throw hockey pucks. It's like, is that working for you? Hockey bucks. Yeah, I can sure. I can assure you you're not going to get the same benefit from Fuego, but if that's working for you mentally and you see the outcome and it's producing what you want the outcome to be, why am I going to knock that? Keep keep rocking and rolling. But just to allude and just to reiterate the point that Connor was making, Fuego allows because it's real time for you to do that stuff in moment. You don't have to take a 30 minute session to try out if you like certain grips or where you like your thumb placement or whether you want more pressure on your middle finger. You can do all that stuff in a couple of throws with Fuego just by testing and trying and seeing what feels right and also visualizing what feels right. Um, and then just to also reiterate the point, we're seeing a lot of adoption at the collegiate level on Fuego because it emphasizes the athlete's need to figure things out for themselves. What's their body doing? What is their body feeling like? And then how can they use that information that they're receiving, whether or not it's through a coach or through Fuego, and interpret that for themselves to, again, create that outcome that they want to achieve? Anyway, I just wanted to supplement what you were saying. C-Mac, your stuff was great, as always. Sorry. No, that's great. That's great. Um, and also, so no, hold on. And I know, we can, <laughs> I know we can cut, too, to go back. I was never going to talk about the 42 prototypes, ever. I was bitching after a couple of beers <laughs> at a picnic with neighbors and I was talking to a friend and he was like, so like, did you get it? And I'm like, yeah, man, we're done. Like the 42 pro and I'm like complaining. I'm like howling at the moon. And he's like, dude, I'm not a baseball guy, but isn't 42 like a big deal in baseball. And at that moment, that's when I was like, and again, it's those little moments when you're like, this isn't working. This like, this isn't right. I, I spent tons of money on a ball that doesn't have damn stitches, you know, like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? But it's those moments. And I remember at that moment, it was like, okay, new marketing scheme. You're right. 42 was a huge deal. I never thought about that. I was just thinking about the dollar amount that, you know, 42 prototypes is, is a lot of 3D printing and a lot of modeling. <laughs> so that's all that I kept on coming back to. Well, it took a friend to kind of bring us back around. And again, I just wanted to mention the 42 because I know we kind of danced around that question, but that was like, yeah, that's why we talk about 42. Yeah, Otherwise, no, I would I- never, I would never admit how many mistakes we made. <laughs> trying to dial this thing in i and you know what i like i don't see those as mistakes at all i just see that as like an as an addition to clean fuego because people see it and they see this is simple they're like oh it's like it's a hockey puck with seams 42 prototypes just puts this on a different level from the the attention um and just all the um the work that's gone into it it's not a hockey puck with seams like at all um, or you would have had it done in one or two takes and you would have been like, good enough. You know what I mean? And right. good, good enough is never good enough, you know? Right. Um, so no, I, I love the 42 story. And honestly, like just as someone, you know, with, with plate crate and everything, I love hearing people's, uh, failure stories too. <laughs> like we, we, we really prioritize, you know, success and we make things look very, um, not me, I'm saying like, as a, you know, as a society, just make things look so easy on social media and we leave out a lot of those things, like like these 42 prototypes. And I just feel um, like it just gives me a deeper connection to Clean Fuego because it's not, um, it's just not surface level. It's not um, something that was that. easy. And it, I mean, it clearly shows with how you guys have grown very organically 
um, and with all the big league guys. Um, but I wanted to kind of circle back around um, with you, Connor. Um, you know, we talked about kind of the subjectivity of, uh, you know, like squish the bug. And this can mean something to you, something completely different to everybody. Um, and I think for the first time, like ever, I mean, really, it is the first time ever where, you know, we're starting to have the technology to take some of that subjectivity and that language out of the mix, because now you can, you can say contextually, this is what it feels like to be behind a ball. This is what it feels like to, to have your hands inside the ball, which I don't, I hate that phrase, but just like that, that was how I grew up hitting down the ball, through the tunnel, up the hill, squish the bug, um, Mike to Ike, like all these like really easily um, transferable sayings, which are just like horrible and not even horrible. They're just not, um, once you get to a certain level, they just don't help at all. Um, but, you know, going back to, you know, we have this wave of technology. We have Rapsodo. You have, you're talking about spin rate and finger pressure and, and like the granularity of, of, uh, of data um, that people are capturing now. And then the, um, just the coaches like you, they're taking this data and using it um, to give people feedback. I mean, what do you take us through kind of this evolution of baseball where what's the main difference you see, you know, 10 years ago to today. And then where do you see us in another 10 years? Yeah, it's, it's an excellent question. And um, honestly, I'm just fortunate. Uh, I decided to kind of run towards uh, the wind on this one. I mean, back when, uh, you know, I remember trying to watch Kyle Bodie's stuff when he was in a little garage throwing with the abominable snowman, posting videos of him doing pivot picks and whatnot. Uh, Dr. Marshall with his concrete balls chucking into wall, Ron Wolforth <laughs> down in Texas, Randy Sullivan, Florida baseball ranch. I mean, these guys, uh, Flint Wallace out there, give him a shout out. I owe him a lot of credit as well. And just the stuff that I've learned, these guys are, uh, you know, the pioneers of this cutting edge thing. And even when I joined the Dodgers, you know, they might be mad at me for saying this, but I joined the Dodgers you know, fall 16 coming into 17. And we were considered a very progressive organization. And I have to be honest with you, we were not as progressive as people would think. And so when I'm starting in Great Lakes and going through and I'm getting these reports, a lot of people we were getting them, but a lot of people didn't really know what they were looking at. And so there was a gentleman named Jimmy Buffy um, check out Reboot Motion. Okay. This guy is absolutely brilliant. Um, really was the one who kind of opened my eyes to how important the spin was. I mean, we've all had those games where, all right, this guy's throwing 88, but it sounds like a freaking cannon going off. Mm -hmm. And then there's this guy throwing 92 and everyone's teeing off on him. And we're yeah. like, what's going on? Like, we could never figure that out. We had no idea what it was. And then it was like, okay, we need the ball to move. To my naked eye, we need the ball to move. And so then you started to see this huge evolution of like sinker ballers, right? And then that's when you started to see like the Britons coming up, you know, and we got trying and now and whatnot. And guys were really playing the East-West game and trying to sink the ball. And then hitters started to kind of be like, wait, home runs are very valuable. Uh, let's get the ball in the air. Why would I want to hit it on the ground? Give them a chance to get me. I'm just going to hit it in the air. And hit pitchers are throwing harder and harder every year. Let's just, let's lift it. So now we're throwing pitches right into the swing path and doing that. And what we found out was some of these flat fastballs were actually what we now call unicorn fastballs. And so mm -hmm. then when we're getting the, this data and we're tithing into it, we're starting to see, <laughs> oh my goodness, these are very different throws. These are very different pitches. 
Um, and then we just started diving into it. Okay, how do we apply it? What direction do we push this guy? All right, here's league average of certain movements. Do we want to be league average? Do we want to be as far away from league average? Like I'm going to hold some of my secrets. Um, but these are the things that we started to look at. And I'll say this with kind of the evolution of baseball of your question as we're going. My biggest concern, I guess, out there with everyone, I was very fortunate to be taught a lot of this and have gone through the different algorithm switches, the different tracking systems and whatnot. Please, 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 everyone out there, uh, whatever tech you're on, okay? Whatever tech you're using, that's just its specific language, okay? If you go throw at a private facility and it's on a Rapsodo, and you're popping 19 vertical break, and then you go to your uh, college team and you pitch on TrackMan, it says you're only 17, just remember they're different languages. So make sure you're comparing apples to apples with everything. Compare your TrackMan data to your TrackMan data. Compare your Repsoto data to your Repsoto data, Hawkeye to Hawkeye, any of the tech balls, like make sure it's still the same thing um because you can get lost in the weeds with a lot of this information right your release height's probably going to be different just a little fyi the extension's going to be measured differently you have a camera versus a radar tracking the thing so just don't get lost in the little finer details as this becomes more prevalent because you're starting to see guys using this in the scouting world um colleges showcases um pro showcases and whatnot just remember they're different languages and where the game's going you know, what I think is so beautiful about baseball is I don't necessarily know. I mean, I think you have the league that's trying to alter rule changes uh, and, and try different things. But what's beautiful about our game is it's up and down, moving side to side in every which way. Guys are smart. Teams are smart. And you're going to find ways to beat it, you know, with everything that we know about ride, with everything that we know about fastballs at the top of the zone. And that's the sexy thing this day. We just won a World Series with an entirely east-west sinker baller bullpen. Right. I mean, we could barely get any sort of strikeouts. At the end of the day, I think it's like, can you maximize what you have? How do you maximize um, the ability of each individual in that role and and go from there? Uh, so with the future of what's coming through, I'm going to withhold a few of those answers. Uh, I think <laughs> Andrew and Gomer might be a little upset if I chime in on some of those. Um, but uh, there's some cool stuff coming down the line. Um, I'll ask this, Mike, can I hint at some of the stuff we're doing or no? Okay, no. So we, uh, we have <laughs> stuff coming down the line. But, yeah, it's going to be really fun to see how, um, you know, the evolution of baseball as we go forward. I just think once people are kind of educated on what's taking place, you know, when you watch an at-bat of Garrett Cole and Juan Soto, and just understanding the actual chess match that's being played. All right, Juan Soto knows it's a riding fastball. Okay, how many hops is on this unicorn fastball? Okay, it's two hops, one, whatever his translation is. All right, I got to be on top of him. But wait, if I'm on top of him, then he throws the wrinkle of the slider, right? So here, should I be trying to pull him? Should I be doing this? Are you reading the swings? I don't think pitchers read swings enough. You know, a guy check swings, flat barrel at foot plant, vertical barrel at foot plant. Where are they looking? They, okay, they checked up on a nasty slider, but why did he? Okay, where were his sights there? What is he set up for next? Um, I think that's where the game should go. I think that's what I think we do a great job of trying to develop our minor league guys as they go. Uh, but I'd love it if the game, if there were more conversations. I know Trevor has a bunch of uh, vlogs out there with how he goes through it. He's brilliant. He's unbelievable with this stuff. I just wish more people talked about it, but... Um, I think people are always concerned about our game being boring. 
but I think it's more of the sense they don't know how to lift the hood and see what's actually going on under the hood and the really cool chess match that's being played on a very highly intelligent level. Yeah. And I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Just, you know, baseball has has exploded in our kind of uh, this like little subculture between um, between like hit tracks and Repsoto and all the data analytics and driveline and 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 then on the other side, from a marketing standpoint, you know, you talked about Trevor, Trevor's Trevor's comment the other day with, you know, he wants to brand himself, and there's this whole marketing aspect to baseball too. Like I think baseball is like the most interesting sport right now because there is so much under the hood. But where would you suggest people can learn about that? Because I think as a fan, you know, people, um, you know, people just kind of see the surface level. They they don't see you know these athletes as not only absolute world class not just physically but also mentally and you know they're just masters of learning at this point and they're they're really fantastic at learning and you know even from when i was playing it's just totally different the the level of uh again just granularity that that you guys but you know if you're not a fan a fairweather fan a man who really wants to get into this what would you suggest um, how, do, how do people get under the hood? What resources would they would they use? I, it's amazing, isn't it? There's nothing out there. You know, there's stuff out there yeah. people trying to read between the lines. But to be bluntly honest with you, there's not a lot out there. Um, and I guess my biggest recommendation would be kind of what I did. I, I was just hitting up everyone I could. I'd shoot them a, D, a, a DM, a tweet, just a one-off question. Hey, I was just curious, what'd you see there? Uh, I don't think pitchers enough even talk to hitters cool, you're working on a new pitch and it's nasty. We're working on a changeup and you're side spinning it. You, you lowered the direction, you killed the spin, the vertical is really low. It looks great. Then you go and talk to the hitter and the hitter's like, dude, that pitch is terrible. I can see it right away <laughs> out of hand. That's not going to play. Uh, that's like, you got to have it all full circle, but to learn more about this different things, it's it's reach out to the the Jimmy Buffies of the world, the Kyle Bodies, the Flint Wallaces, the Randy Sullivan's. Most of you guys will never even remember that I grabbed them and, and talked to them for two minutes, a one-off question. But that little one-off question was invaluable. Now, always remember people can give bad advice too, like have that in the back of your mind and filter it. But a lot of these times, it's going to lead you on the proper path to discovering something new, right? And so I just challenge it, just ask, ask different coaches, ask different players. Uh, my goodness, I'm using, uh, I used a grip, that a guy in college, shout out Willie V, um, who's a terrible division three player. He'd want me to say that. Okay? <laughs> and that is now being a grip used at the big league level and helped us win a world series. So yeah. you never know where you're going to get some of the grips, the ideas, what pitching ninja is doing on social media right now is phenomenal. I mean, how can you not love this guy and what he's mm -hmm. producing and showing the overlays and the different ABs and the at bats. And I think you're starting to see it. I think Trevor really helped push the envelope of showing guys. It's okay. Like we can talk about this. You can show it. Cause it was kind of like this awkward gray area of, all right, are we talking about this? Are we not talking about this? Where are we at? And I think Trevor's done a nice job of kind of like opening the door up. You're seeing a lot more people discuss at bats, their emotions behind different things. But unfortunately there really isn't a lot of great work written out there for you to just like go in and dive, open a book and read it. Um, that's kind of the beauty of the game. You got to go try it. You got to get out there, go play, ask guys questions. And that's kind of where you end up discovering it. But with everything that I even noted, I feel like I still know about 4% of this game. 
You know, I feel like with all the tech, all the spin stuff, I feel like I've only barely even scratched the surface. So there's still a lot more to come. Yeah. I mean, the, the more you learn, the less, you know, type of yep. thing, you know what yep. I mean? Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, guys, that was, I think we can, we can kind of end it there. I, we have so much more going on with you guys this month. Um, that was so insightful and, and thank you both for just joining us and, uh, or sorry, joining me, um, you know, on the podcast. Cause that, I mean, Connor, that, and Mike, you just both opened up so many doors for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, where can people learn more about, uh, both of you individually and then more about clean fuego and, and what you're up to. I mean, check out our website, clean fuego. Um, and then Connor, you can just follow Connor, I guess on, on national press. Right. Um, he always sees me. I'm like, where are you going to be at tomorrow? And he's like, just check ESPN, my guy, it'll be, it'll be listed. So, um, but no, and, and to Connor's point to reiterate, to reach out, you know, I mean, that's one thing with Fuego is when you buy a Fuego, you're buying into a fam, you can DM us, you can send us emails. I mean, my phone number, I, I won't say unfortunately, cause I love hearing from everybody um is on everything i mean it's on all the receipts so i get calls all the time so again we're here to be supportive we're here to be helpful at the end of the day like we said at the beginning of the podcast we just want to make baseball better i mean we're out east man we're in lacrosse territory it's like i gotta get you know i gotta get more baseball players excited east of the mississippi over here can't have it all be in texas and california let's go new jersey um <laughs> but again it's reach out and ask because the worst that's going to happen i can guarantee you you get blown off Awesome. Guys, thank you so much. Um, I want everyone to go check out Clean Fuego. Check out the shirts and the apparel too. It's like the most comfortable sweatshirt in the world. But uh, yeah, check out all the, pro all the products that Clean Fuego has. I'm really excited to get out and try this. Awesome, man. Appreciate you, Josh. Thank you for listening to Spotlight by Play Crane. And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, take care.